0: Good morning. How appropriate are our hymns at times. He lives that death may die. (laughs) Um, I didn't ask for that hymn, but it fits perfectly with our message and especially my introduction. And the words in Christianity, the words in our Bible that make no sense with the world we live in and uh, they shouldn't because these words are from God and we live in for the most part of God's world but uh, again would you love the words in scripture and um, that God uses to describe us and our relationship with him he breathed life into adam and eve and that life passed on to their offering up until now and i'm sure will continue on for a while yet but at the same time we have physical life we are also dead death death in scripture always meaning separation we are born separated from god dead to god To take care of our spiritual death jesus died he died so that we may have life his life in us as believers and his children we receive his life in us and then our father gives us an abundant life through death death to self death to self that's what Paul is begging for if you will beseeching for in Romans 12 uh, 1 and 2 uh, dead believers our father who always works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose has a better plan for us in our death an abundant victorious life in his will where He can bless us abundantly more more than we can think or ask. Now that we are alive unto God through trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father wants us to be dead, dead to the world we live in, dead in the sense that we no longer that it no longer has any appeal to us. As children, we have become citizens of heaven and only ambassadors in this world. So why would we look to this world for an abundant life? It would be like going to the most poverty-stricken nation in the world and expecting them to make us rich. while we are already far more richer than we can imagine and far richer than anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Excuse me, we begin this morning, and this is very important, back in chapter 11 and the last three verses, well, anyway, starting in 33, verse 33 of chapter 11. Oh, the (coughs) depth! excuse me. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Unsearchable meaning that which cannot be traced out in the Old Testament Scriptures. That which could never have been known apart from the revelation the risen Lord gave to the Apostle Paul. The revelation of the mystery. How are his judgments and his ways past finding out? Or who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be uh, repaid to him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul brings to our attention how great is our God. He is way past our ability to know his minds, and so rich in what he gives those who believe in him. The Apostle Paul burst into ecstasy and praise because he has now considered God's marvelous plan to demonstrate his grace and mercy to both Gentiles and to the nation of Israel, despite the unbelief of both. I don't believe you, God. That's all right, I'm going to do this anyway. Paul's heart is full to overflowing and knowing what it means personally pens these verses. And this is what's so important and what's to come because, and we're going to talk about that as we go through scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2 can just be another system of works if we haven't applied the first 11 chapters of Romans to this thing. Paul's not begging beggars who have nothing. He's not writing to the folks living in the tent city in San Francisco asking those folks who have nothing to give to give anyway. Paul's writing to God's children. In light of what you have been given, doesn't it make sense to separate from the old you and get on the altar and kill yourself, become separate from the world and its enticements to sin, And give yourself over for him to use, not from a head full of knowledge, but from a heart filled to overflowing with the love of your Father. God never asks of us anything that he hasn't given us already to be able to do what he's asked. He does not ask us to go to the altar of sacrifice as the condemned man goes to the gallows. He so fills us with his mercies, as he did to the former chief of sinners, that we can't wait to jump on the altar, if you will. In reality, it's like jumping off of a cliff into his loving arms. first thing that we need to look at is that word p- presents and this has to do with yield, it has to do with surrender it has to do with letting go of uh, uh, surrendering. We sing the song I Surrender All. It's a good song but God's not looking for our words He's looking for our heart that we've come to the end of ourself and the end of uh, desiring the things of the world and desiring him and his will alone. Notice that the word does not say commit. Too often Christianity has used that word in the a, in a sense of yielding, of surrender, of presenting ourselves uh, to the Lord, but that's not the word. Commit is focusing on me. I am going to do this. And as we look at scripture it is i am is going to do this i am being our lord jehovah god committing means i'm going to do this or die or die trying and again the focus is on what i'm doing it's in the wrong place yield on the other hand we, we know what yield is we come to a, a Uh, We're going down the road, and there's a road going this way, and we yield to the cars, and in this context, we yield to what? We yield to going down the road uh, that follows the world and its way of thinking and its way of of doing things. Oh, we yield to God and, and that path of righteousness where our focus is on Him, which, Lord, your will I want for my life. Not the world and the world way of doing things. And I believe totally through my life and reading the scripture and everything that this is basically a one-time surrendering. Alright? There's something happens here. We're gonna talk about it as we go on this morning. There's something happens here where life isn't the same anymore. Where we've come to the place in our heart, and it doesn't mean, Lord, I surrender. I didn't do that to the Lord, and we're going to talk about that. But we come to a place in our lives where, which is the path I'm going to follow? And Lord, I've done it my way. And even after a Christian, after becoming a Christian at 31 years old, a believer, The first thing in my heart, I told the Lord, Lord, this is kind of strange to me. And uh, I love you and I love salvation, but we're going to do my things my way. My way. And you know what? He said, Go for it. Go for it. He didn't tell me verbally, but you know, he's a gentleman. He said, Go for it. That's what you want to do. Have at it. (laughs) Didn't work pretty good. But there's a time in our life where we surrender our. Will present our bodies for our Lord to use the way He wants to. And then it becomes a life of yieldedness, of yielding to His will, His desire. All right? There's a a part of place in our lives where we come to this surrender and things change, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, But then it's a lifetime of yieldedness, my way or God's way. Okay, so. Next we see what looks like an and It certainly did to the Jews that Paul would have preached to, a living sacrifice. Every Jew knew that a sacrifice was an animal brought up on the altar and killed his blood shed. That was a sacrifice. And now God's asking for a living sacrifice. He doesn't tell us that's what he wants is our physical death. No, he wants our death, our separation from the world. In its ways but now Jesus Christ has been our sacrifice to remove our sin he is a living Savior and calls us to be a living sacrifice there are all sorts of ways that man has attempted to get to God and to get that freedom and to get uh, uh, the well-intentioned men uh, and women to get their minds into purity. The monks in the early ages shut themselves away from everything to prove they were dead to it all. Okay, again, that's uh, living sacrifice. And when they got away, they found themselves more alive than ever. They're up in these caves, they're isolated and everything, and what do their minds go, sin, 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 uh, rather than what they had felt they would uh, be... Uh, Purified, if you will, away from the things of the world. So before life becomes death, and there's one characteristic of Jesus in this light, he was fundamentally dead to the things of the world. It had no appeal to him. Now you can say, and I can say, well, right. He came from heaven, (laughs) and after being in heaven, why would anything here have an appeal to him? But that was his hard period as a human being. The world had no appeal to him. This is what changes in a person. The things of the world have no hold on him any longer. No appeal. I was there. I experienced it. I am. I've uh, been involved in it and look for the world to the needs of my heart. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. And when you come to Romans twelve one. that becomes a reality. And we see that so very clearly. person comes to 12 one and then living sacrifice he's separated from pursuing what this world has to offer money fame friendships etc he still enjoys <clears throat> excuse me the enjoyable things of the world but they are no longer a goal Dave Bradloff just told me this morning, he will be turkey hunting Sunday. That's an enjoyable thing. You know what? Our Father enjoys us enjoying ourselves like that. He does. That's why you never get any flack from this church, because you're out enjoying yourself. Maybe with family or friends or turkey hunting or deer hunting on a Sunday. You don't do that. God enjoys us enjoying ourselves. Now, if that's the goal in our life, then there's something, well, Romans 12, 1 probably hasn't come to us yet. God supplies our needs, which are sometimes pretty simple, while we no longer need to do things to appease Him or to gain followers or whatever. Whatever. God blesses us with like-minded believers uses us to disciple more as well as blesses us with things we enjoy. That's our God. That's our God. Our God is a God that wants to bless us. He can only do do that when we believe him, when we believe what scripture teaches And we come to that point in our life when we give him control of our lives. We, uh, 17 years ago, we bought a cottage in the UP, most of you know, and uh, we bought it for a place of rest and enjoyment. And we got that from that cottage, but we had no idea how much God was going to use that in ministering to others. And uh, sometimes it was just really, really a need For us to be able to get away and have a time when we had no responsibilities, just to enjoy ourselves. And even ended up being a real blessing to the pastor and his wife that are in uh, the town of Berglund. And uh, so, you know, God blesses us and uses us along the way in ways we don't, don't even plan, don't even think about when we're in his will. What's very important here is this is not a work. God says in our passage, wholly acceptable to God. This is something, 12-1 is not something we do. It's just like everything else God teaches us, it's something we believe. It's something we believe and we believe it here our Lord takes over this because we basically let go of it and let him have it. It's not something presenting our bodies is not a word but a matter of faith. wholly acceptable to God. Set apart for his use but the only thing that is acceptable to God from us is faith. That's if that's the only thing that pleases God is faith, us believing, us believing. Do we truly believe what he said, what, what he's written in and what he's written to and about us and to and about him? Do we really believe that? When we do, it takes a hold here. And we become a living sacrifice. When we believe god our hearts are filled and we become ready for our reason for our reasonable service there's something about this that is difficult to understand but romans 12 1 is not about doing something it is about believing something or someone actually god see this is important and we're going to do a review from my life what paul's written about in these first 11 chapters of romans becomes real to me i found my need for god's righteousness i learned i had sinned and fallen short of the glory of god well it was reinforced i think i knew that (laughs) god provided a way for me to have his righteousness by faith being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ that he demonstrated at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I believed and have Christ's righteousness applied to my heart. Now, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also I have access by faith into this grace in which I stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope hasn't disappointed because the love of God had been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to me. I believe in my identity in Christ. I believe who I am, who I became the moment I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, a child of God. Knowing this, if my old man was crucified with Christ, that my body of sin might be done away with. Might again, another faith word, as I walk, yield to him. That I am to yield to my father and not be a slave to sin. That there is a terrible struggle between the flesh and the spirit in which Jesus is the answer while walking in the spirit by faith. I wondered and was curious and and, and and heartbroken at times, why is the flesh still taking control? Why am I still drawn to the things of the world and what it has to offer, even as a Christian? I was led of the Spirit, not into the bondage of fear, but I received the spirit of adoption where my whereby my heart knows God the Father as my Abba Father, as my daddy. I know that he works all things together for good because I love him and have been called according to his purpose. And nothing, not even me, can separate me from his love. I learned God has kept and will keep his prophesied promises to Israel. Therefore, I can trust he will keep his promises to me. All of these things had to go through my mind. I had to learn these things. But not until they settled in my heart by faith did I come to the place of Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. His lost life caused my death, which allows his life to flow through me. We often hear the phrase, drawing on the resurrection of life, but try it. You cannot draw on it when you like. You'll never get one breath of that life until you are dead. Dead to any desire that you want a blessing for body or soul or spirit. Again, you go about life still enjoying things that you like, but you are not expecting any more anything in return. You no longer keep a list of who owes you what, but you give it and release it into his hand. If God wants you to have it back, fine. If not, that's fine as well. I like to tell our students school and they take an exam or something. Once in a while they get asked about it. And I said, well, we know somebody's there with you watching. We don't have to be there watching you. <laughs> it's beyond your conscience, not mine. Um, he's there and you need to be aware of that. There are those who believe that your primary goal in this life is working for rewards. Again, I'm doing this in order to receive. God (laughs) said, no, I want you to do that because of what you've been given. A person who has been set free in death knows his father has something wonderful in mind from heaven, but he doesn't know what it is. I don't have a clue. I just know it's more wonderful than anything here. And I know it's gonna be awesome And I know that my little mind can't handle what's to come when I get home. But I know it's coming. And um, I can't. Well, in his timing, I'm looking forward to what he has for me. The only thing that makes sense is your reasonable service. If this is the God who is, and it is, if this is what he has done for me, and he has, Then the only thing that makes sense is to surrender my life to him. Let me put me in your hands. So a dead believer is just simply someone who is dead to the world. And do not be conformed to this world. It is interesting, but Jesus never shut himself away from the things of the world. Uh, You ever think about that? Where's the first place he took his disciples? A wedding feast. What were they drinking there? Wine. They run out, he made more. In our quest for a spiritual life, we tend to look to buildings, its structure, its plans, its formulas to get us to where we think we need to be, scripture teach that. It didn't get to the scribes and lawyers and Pharisees. Didn't get to them, that's what they were all about. Because Jesus is a living Savior, we shouldn't believe that this will get us there either. But as far as the Lord went and what he ordained, you know, look at the Old Testament, look at the Jews under the law. And I bring this out a lot. The holy days were holidays that sometimes lasted for weeks, ten days. And they were parties. They were getting together with friends and neighbors and people they hadn't seen before and celebrating. They partied, they drank wine. Now, I'm not encouraging this part. They danced and they feasted. Jesus did not cut himself off from society. He was not aloof. So much was he not aloof that they called him what? A glutton and a wine drinker. A glutton and a wine drinker. A drunk. Being a former drunk, I know what this means. Before I saved, alcohol was becoming more and more a problem in my life, and um, I found a lot of what I needed, and Satan's counterfeit to the church, the tavern. Um, You get fellowship there, you could make friends there. Um, After a few drinks, you'd get along with just about anybody, and by the time you left there, you were in love with a lot of people all because of being controlled by the spirits alcohol there was a spirit there too or a spirit there not longer after i was saved my wife and i belonged to this well we're part of this group that would order bulk foods we were raising and utilizing our own food for the most part, and in those days, ground our own flour, things like that. So we drove 30 miles to this place where we waited on a truck with other people to take our, and pick up our boat order. So one day this couple, and to be the pastor's daughter, one of his daughters and her husband, said, you want to ride up with us? We're part of this too. We said, yeah, that'd be great, boy, this is exciting pastor, his daughter, and we're new Christians, and this is going to be really good. And we got up there only to find there were no cell phones in those days. Uh, I don't know if we, man, I guess we had a phone by then. Anyway, um, we got up there and found the truck wasn't going to be there for five hours. So this is a place. It was a town, supposedly used to be a town. There was this community center, and there was a bar across the street, And the first thing these kids said to us was, let's go to the bar bar and play pool until the truck comes in. I can't begin to tell you the fear, and I can feel it right now, that came in when they said that. I was brand new. I knew in my heart I'm not strong enough to do that. And when we're there, they're going to probably... There's going to be beer there, there there's going to be alcohol there, and I'm going to be drawn to it. And even later on, we found that this couple did drink, and that's exactly what would have happened. So uh, I'm standing there, not knowing what to do, and these were mature Christians. And uh, afraid, this man come up to me and he said, What are you kids going to do? While we're waiting for the truck, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders, and he said, why don't you come over to my wife and I's home? We live just a few miles from here, and um, spend it with us. And I didn't look at my wife or this other couple. I just said yes. In my heart, I knew my God was protecting his baby Christians. Turned out the man was a pastor of a Bible church and we had a special time that afternoon. God protected his newborn And there were other temptations in those first few years of Christianity. but I as I have begun to been taught the things that we just got, gone through in a way that I could apply in my life, understand them here, in my life, come to this place in Romans 12, 1, alcohol no longer had any appeal whatsoever to me. I could and can go into our Wisconsin restaurants that usually have a bar in uh, one area or the other and serve drinks. I can go in there... And it might still well be toilet water in those bottles. I pay no attention. There's no draw whatsoever. Not a 12 step pro- program. I appreciate what those people are doing. But it's. They take the identity of being an alcoholic. That's what you have to do. Our church allowed, invited their. Uh, allowed them to have meetings in our church in Wittenberg. And they asked me to attend, and I told them that that had been a struggle with me. And I went one time, and to be there, you have to say, I am an alcoholic. I choked on that. I am not an alcoholic. I am a child of the living God. Now I said it, because I didn't want to upset the apple cart for them. I figured, and I did have the opportunity with us, but I couldn't go back. I choked as much on that lie uh, so much that I just, no, you know, I can't go there. I can't go and lie every time I'm here because I'm, no, I'm not a drunk. I'm not an alcoholic. That's what happens when we come to the place in our lives where we present our bodies a living sacrifice, the things of the world that no longer have a draw to us. I became dead to alcohol. Now, it's only for fair to warn you that religious it, this has its drawbacks. Religious people won't like it anymore. <laughs> ask, ask Paul of uh, the Apostle Paul when he, you know, don't have to. He wrote all about it in his uh, epistles. And let me explain that. Religious people are those who you thought would love to learn the truth that sets you free as you did, but choose to remain in their ignorance. Related people are those who choose doctrine over relationship instead of doctrine that leads to relationship. That's why God wrote these doctrines here, it leads to me formulas over the spirits leading again like the 12-step program or do this this and this and this will be the result. Galatians handled that. We were there last week. They're those who are church building oriented over people who make up the body of Christ. When you talk about Jesus instead of their favorite doctrine, you become a heretic. They won't tolerate your freedom, which they don't have. They won't know how to control you, so attempt to destroy you. With gossip and slander, with things they've assumed, because they've refused to be enlightened. And again, we see this in the life of Paul, over and over through his epistles. If your mind is truly renewed then your heart will be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If the truth merely settles in my mind and I merely assent to its truths, Romans 12, 1 will merely be something, as I've talked about before, I have to do. This is what God expects me to do, so here I am, Lord. And then I will be, in a sense, the oxymoron Christian Pharisees. Those words don't fit together. And then there's probably more Pharisees. Well, we know there are more
1: uh, Christian Pharisees
0: than there were Pharisees when Christ was alive. But God can still use me in spite of myself. I will choose my work and do it my way, and I will be a bigger hindrance to his work than if I yield to him and allow his life to flow through me. God's way is always best that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus talked about the seed had to die. It would be alone until it dies and when it dies then it produces a hundredfold and He meant by that that God can trust man anywhere with anything when he is fundamentally dead to things. We needn't be afraid of this. It simply means that God can trust us to go about the work that he has prepared for us. A man who isn't fundamentally dead to things will go into the rest of this chapter and book with a formula in mind, ignoring the gifts or misusing them, or working up a formula, for working his or her perfect, his gift out. It was Romans 12.1 that opened my heart to his spirit, where he could show me that he had gifted me as a pastor-teacher. I didn't know that before. had no clue before. Especially since I couldn't talk to more than two or three people at a time, because I was too... Shy, bashful, insecure, go through the list. But a a, pastor-teacher, and here again, you know, the Bible teaches pastor-teacher. And what is that? A pastor is a shepherd, and he does what? He shepherds towards God. Towards God. He does that through Scripture, but he shepherds from God. He leads towards the Lord. I follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. He teaches the knowledge of God to those who would listen. This becomes his heart. I went from not being able to talk to people, definitely not in groups, to where I needed to tell others about God. It doesn't matter. The first time I ever preached in a church, There were 40 some people. I don't care if there's 40,000 there. I need to tell you about what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And I did it without fear and trembling. Immediately you die to self, the life of God is free in you. And you don't know where you are with the exuberance of it, just like the Apostle Paul. Lord, what do you have me to do? Paul was not only saved, but also surrendered more so when he learned the new message It was the work God had prepared for him, the dispensation of the grace of God. Wow. When you present yourself a living sacrifice, you become dead to self and alive to God. The lights come on. Scripture comes alive. I've given you examples of different people. I've got a brand new Bible, one that they've almost worn out from reading and studying. But now I know what it means to me. God is able to enlighten you on things you've never seen before. Things of the world no longer have an appeal. People in higher positions no longer impress you. What other people think of you no longer has any meaning or hold on you. People can no longer manipulate you or control you. Fear of talking about God goes right out the window. No, I need to. I need to talk about my Father. The things the world has to offer no longer have an appeal. Your spiritual gifts in you will be obvious and obvious to others as well as you'll see the gifts in others. More important than all of these things is that you want everyone to know the God who is that they can experience the same joy and freedom that you do. You have an instant bond with those who have been to Romans 12, 1 and 2 through Romans chapter 1 through Romans 12 1 and 2 you come to the place in your life father I don't care if I'm the janitor or the pastor use me for your glory this is something that's so beautiful it's beyond words I give it my best shot this morning but again It's something that happens to you when you believe what God has written to you, where he has brought you, what he has done for you and will do in and through your lives, and what he has planned for you when we leave this earth. What a wonderful, awesome God. What he wants us to be is dead to the world and alive unto him. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Father, for creating us to love, to bless throughout eternity. Thank you for your patience and your long-suffering with us. None of us come to instant maturity, even after we present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's still a life of growing and learning more of you and learning to trust you more. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that uh, it's very clear what you've given us and you don't want anything from us that you haven't given us already. So many Christians are looking to be free. Well, they already are. You've shown that very clear in scripture. But to be truly free, they have to believe what you have written. I thank you that we're brought into such a close and intimate relationship as a child, father, relationship. You, the Almighty, the create the God of all creation that brought us into that precious relationship where our hearts do indeed cry out, Abba Father. Thank you for that, Father. We pray this morning, Father, for anyone here that's not to that their point this point in their life. We pray, Father, that they do open their life their hearts to you, your truth. Father, and um, where their hearts alone, they, you and you alone, you and you alone, I want for my life. Your will alone, I want for my life. Thank you, Father. And thank you for these people. Thank you that they do love you and love your truth. And we pray you now in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.